Welcome to the Modern Art Notes podcast. I'm Tyler Green. This week, Eduardo Biswaldo in a program recorded live at the Hirshhorn Museum and Sculpture Garden in Washington. The Hirshhorn recently acquired Biswaldo's The End of Ending, a 2012 work that is the first of his sculptures to enter an American institutional collection. It's on view now at the museum. In the last decade, the Buenos Aires-based Bisbaldo has become a regular on the international biennial circuit, showing at biennials in Pontevedra, Lyon, Montevideo, Guangzhou, and Havana. His work was also included in the All the World's Futures exhibition of the 2015 Venice Biennale. He's also presented installations at museums in Paris, Linz, Mexico City, and Medellin. Eduardo Bisbaldo, after the break. Support for the Man Podcast comes from the Pulitzer Arts Foundation, presenting Medardo Rosso Experiments in Light and Form, on view now through May 2017. Instrumental in expanding the definition of sculpture for the modern era, Italian artist Medardo Rosso employed innovative casting and modeling techniques in plaster, bronze, and wax, creating surfaces that were sensitive to the transient effects of light and shadow. As seen through nearly 100 works, including sculptures, drawings, and photographs, most of which have never been exhibited outside of Europe, this exhibition explores Rosso's varied efforts to understand, capture, and manipulate light in his art. For more information, visit pulitzerarts.org. It is easier than ever to explore art historical texts from the comfort of your home with the Getty Research Portal. This online catalog provides free access to books and journals from libraries and museums all over the world, including new editions such as the Art Institute of Chicago's Ryerson and Burnham Libraries, the Herzog August Bibliothek in Wolfenbüttel, and the Warburg Institute Library in London, resulting in over 100,000 volumes available. To explore the Getty Research Portal, visit portal.getty.edu. Realist, surrealist, hippie, punk, icon, Bruce Connor, it's all true, is on view now at the San Francisco Museum of Modern Art. Connor, a famous prankster and master of multimedia, was a visionary of San Francisco's art scene, but could not be defined by any one movement. Experience over 250 works from this provocative artist's incredible output, including film, assemblages, paintings, photograms, and more. Get tickets at sfmoma.org. The Hammer Museum in Los Angeles presents In Real Life, 100 Days of Film and Performance. Now through January, head to the Hammer to see four month-long film exhibitions, public rehearsals in the museum's courtyard, and 15 weekends of performances by artists including Trajal Harrell, Dan Levinson, Mutant Salon, Jennifer Moon and Laub, Allison O'Daniel, Janine Olison, Laura Schnitger, Simon Lee, Simon Lung, and more. The four month-long film exhibitions include seven short films examining crisis and technology, from Artists Film International, Echo, the videos of One Otrix, Point, Never, and related works, How to Love a Watermelon Woman, featuring the films of Cheryl Dunier, and The Workshop Years, Black British Film and Video after 1981. Find a schedule and details for In Real Life at hammer.ucla.edu. Hammer Museum, free for good. Eduardo Biswaldo, welcome to the Modern Art Notes podcast. Thanks. Let's start with the work on, on view here, uh -huh. just to our left, really, as we're talking, the end of ending. 
we'll have an image of it on, on manpodcast.com, of course, both, both here and installed at, I think, your Berlin Gallery, right? Uh-huh. First, the nuts and bolts of the thing. What is it made out of, and how did you get it into that gallery? Well, we, it was a really hard work. We were working for almost 10 days here, but the point with, with that kind of technique and even with the idea of this work is like could be something that it grows inside. The material is so flexible. What's the material? It's aluminum foil. You, you, can, you can find it in uh, theater stages. It's commonly you use it to cover lights, to address light in stage where you really want to, to have it. So it's, I, I start to work with the material uh, at the beginning, covering lights, ma- making a kind of light objects. And this could be the, the end of the process of the, with the material. It's when the, the thing is fossilized, it's still there. And, and for me, it was like to, to close that uh, moment, the working with the material. But I mean, I, I really want to, to be clear about this idea that the whole piece is about something growing from inside until occupy the, the whole space. I think that I, I used to work usually with images, like a, as a starting point, I use a kind of narrative figures and in this case, the, the main idea it was to, to present a situation where you can't move anymore. It's like an <laughs> organism absolutely filled from inside by something that makes the space almost disappear. To, to walk around the piece is a literal, physical challenge. One has to be conscious of kind of shimmying along the walls at certain points. Yes, that's, I, I used to, um, to propose public experience, uh, to have a physical experience with words. I think for me it's, it's very important to, um, to, to make a break in the normal tour in an exhibition, to realize or to think about where you are, to become, to have doubts if you are still in, in a museum, you know? It's like to, to make situations change your normal way to see an exhibition. And I mean, the original idea, it, it was to block your way and, and to, to think about what is that. That is, that is a, another important point. It's like you don't have a perspective about the world. You are always just in contact with it. And it's more touchable, touchable than visible. That is, it's also a, an idea that I, I really like in, in words. How, how could it change your priority, your sense, your main sense to make contact with? This black foil material you've used before in a number of pieces, and you've almost even used that kind of form before. So I'm thinking of a piece you made at the Palais de Tokyo in mm-hmm. 2014 in which this black foil exists as kind of a large boulder-type shape, and it's held in place by kind of a thin cord. It's a piece called Theory, the Head of Goliath. 
was there, is there something about the material that you like that it operates both this way, on the floor, if you will, physically in a gallery, and, and looming up above? Is there something in it that... Yes, no, what, what they have in common, these two pieces, is the tension. Yeah. I, I try all the time to make, to create tension in spaces. I, I used to, to, to use the analogy between room and body, and more special, specifically head. You know, it's like a, to be, how could, could I show you where you are? You know, there is a, a very poetic quote from Didi Uberman. He said, we are, our conscience is in the most dark and hermetic place in the world. It's into your school. So, and, and, and the idea of to confinate or to create tension in a space is to make you feel that tension that you are in. You, we are always in, in, in bubbles, you know, or it's in your body or it's in a room or even it's the, the bubble as a word. And, but in going back to the, the Cabeza de Goliath work in, in Palais de Tokyo, in that case, it was the tension was between the floor and the piece that was hanging from the ceiling, and it, a twenty-five feet off the floor or so. Yes, it so would, you'd walk under it and you'd look up. Uh -huh. It was a kind of sw uh, Damocles sword. Yeah. So, so it, uh, the idea was the disaster could happen uh, in any time, and in this case, it's different. In this case is how you how your presence is also important here. That is a, it's another concept that, that I really work with, is to give, not power, because everything is super controlled, but to give importance that, uh, to the people's presence. I mean, I, I always thought the peace only for, for one people. That is my ideal public. One, the peace and the space. Well, with the, with the piece at the Hirshhorn, the end of ending, it's hard almost to get <laughs> more than one person in there. So we're talking about two pieces. We're starting off with two pieces that are, are quite theatrical. You have a background going back 10 or 15 years of being interested and engaged with theater. Could you tell us a little bit about your engagement with theater and how you think that sure. migrates into sculpture and installation? Yes, I, in theater, I think... I, I took from theater to two concepts. One of them is like they, they, are, they work with the idea about here and now is super important. And so the, the things are happening and there is something that the, the environment, the whole theater is charged when people are playing. And I, I really like that. I, I really... I am looking for all the time the, the public attention. I think in visual arts, it's very common to have a very alienate tools where you are only following a line in a museum or even a, in a gallery, and people don't really, don't really watch. And I think this is our code, and I need some time to do something with you. I, for example, I, I remember an interview to a, a guard in um, Tate Modern that was 
taking care about the, the room. And the guy said the promedium time that people stay in front of a Turner painting is eight seconds. And for me, it's, a, it's of course, works is not only when you watch it, are watching it, no? It's, it's, it stayed in your, in your mind, but I need more, more time to, to work with you. I, 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 so in theater, they, they are totally focused in the moment, and at the same time, they, they capt people, they catch people, and you, when the piece starts, you can, you can go, for example. You can leave <laughs> the theater. And it's also it's like a black box, hermetical close, and fiction starts. And that's also the other point. It's like, it's really clear, the fiction. We are still dealing with process and with documental. And in theater, you, you, you know, you accept the convention that fiction will happen. I think that they have uh, powerful tools. Hearing, hearing you talk about theater has me thinking that maybe the most theater-informed piece you've made is a work you made in 2011 for the Lyon Biennial, a piece that was called The Silence of the Sirens, which involved, and we'll have images of this on, on manpodcast.com, an installation contained in a room, drains, water, small islands. Do you want to describe it better than I am? Yes, it, was, it, it wasn't rain. It was a platform, like a right. little lake, maybe yeah. 20 meters by 15, with a hole in the center from where were coming black water and going back. It was like a cycle. It was a cycle. And what I, what I, I was interested about in that moment was an internal internal processes, you know. I was, I was thinking about this idea that we are confined in a body, you know. It's, your body could be your, your tool or your prison, but we can't go out from here. And my focus in that moment was to explore how it feels. How, and more specifically, this one, it was how your stomach could show you some knowledge. I, you know, is our stomachs is the second place in our body with the most concentrated um, nerves. Yes, uh, neurons. Yeah. So we have this. This is our second brain. It's, it's our emotional brain. So my idea in this work was how how could be possible to jump over your brain and to have a directly direct uh, relationship with your with your body. So how to take decisions without thinking about and and it happens there are some knowledge that you you have it from from your body it's like another way but also in relationship with this piece i can say until this moment i was focused in this kind of internal process how your 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 mind works how your your body think and from here, I, I changed my interest to, to structures, mm. to think about where we are. Okay, I, I already know how my body is, and I am here, but let's, let's turn and let's see where, where we are. And I think in, in that sense, this work is, is like self-conscious 
about where it is. It's more addressed to, to the context than the, the piece itself. One of the things about The Silence of the Sirens that I guess reminded me of theater a little bit is I didn't see the piece in Lyon mm -hmm. five years ago, but in the pictures of it, people are standing on the islands in the middle of the lake. Yes. As the water comes up and then goes down. Were you thinking of that as a kind of theatrical experience? Because people who enter the space where the work is could see the people on those islands. Uh -huh. I mean, there is a performative element there. Yes, it was. I, I think maybe the most important aspect for me about that work, it was the work itself was growing and becoming smaller again, you know? So and the idea is like, if you stay, you, you can be into the work and, the, and later out of them. It's like, it was very mobile work, but it was, it was about limits. It's, how the how could you how a work could involve you and leave it later, and at the same time it was how to to be into the work. So we have to talk about the title of the work too. The sirens are, 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 are of course the dangerous part female winged creatures who lured sailors to these rocks on which they would be dashed to their deaths. It's 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 almost the only title in your entire oeuvre that includes like a Greek classical mythology reference? Yes, actually it's, 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 it's a critic of, uh, of the classic Greek story because it's a, the, I, t I took the title from a Kafka story. I was going to ask, yeah. <laughs> and the, the craziness about the, his, his tell story is he said, he proposed Ulysses was trying to, to be saved about the risky to hear the song but at the end, uh, they, they never sung. So it was a kind of monologue. My, yeah, Kafka my, turns the story upside down. Exactly, itself. and yeah. was more scenic. My, my idea was to show how sometimes when you look at your subjectivity, you could be involved in a kind of auto... That is not true. When you are watching to, inside of you, it's a like, circular circuit. You know, so it's something that there's n nothing clear could, could come from there. A lot of your work, even, even the piece here, The End of Ending, has a lot to do with architecture and how humans engage with space. And I want to go through a number of, of those pieces. But first, is architecture of interest to you as a thing? Is that something you spend time thinking about and thinking about? how to engage with or force people to engage with? I start to, to work with architecture since this piece. Oh, since only since 2012. Yes, this, this was the transition between to, to propose to build fictional objects, you know, this dark thing. To, I, I changed, I became to, to apply fiction to real structures or to daily life structures. So today I, I work with uh, architecture in a fictional way. I try to find the way to go through walls, to, to hack, try to, to hack the, the most ordinary structure that is uh, the, the white cube, that means a room, 
So I, I am more interested about how it's possible to, um, to go, to change art architectural rules, you know? I mean, architect architecture is it's a rule. It's a really physical rule. And in daily life, rules are more flexible than, than this. So I, I try to apply this idea to make them flexible. This work, for example, is, a, is that. It's, a, it's a, a mirror with line on the middle, so they change, it changes the angle, and you disappear. This is witness? I didn't see. This is witness? Yes, it's witness. Did you come to architecture through other artists, maybe Elio Oitasica or, or Bruce Nauman, or did your interest in architecture come through theater? How did you, how did you get there? No, now I, I, am, I am very engaged with some contemporary, some artists that from my same age, you know, it's like, a, yeah. for example, Gabriel Sierra and also Renata Lucas, and they both are trying to, um, to find gaps in, in architecture. For example, this woman, Renata Lucas, she, she made mobile walls, so you can push a wall and to to make him get around. And also this guy, Gabriel Sierra, is, is doing an um, analogy between words and walls. It's how it, it's, they could be in, a, in, a, in the same level. And I, I really think about, today it's, it's not easy to, to see movements, you know, art, art mm -hmm. movement, but I really think there is a, a lot of artists working about how, how to make rules permeable, like uh, real uh, rules, you know? Yeah. And I mean, that is changing. I, I mean, we, we, we are living a, in a tension between physics and psychic uh, world. I mean, sometimes you see around you in, a, in daily life, and it looks very medieval. You know, we are still, still depend about boundaries and fences, and at the same time, uh, we, are, we, we have rules, we have laws. So we are, we are still very, um, we still need to control bodies, and I think future, in future we, we will, uh, a world will be enough to make a contract. I think the art experiments are going in that way. My guest is Eduardo Biswaldo. We'll be right back after a break. The Wexner Center for the Arts at The Ohio State University is the only Midwest venue for Leap Before You Look, Black Mountain College, 1933 to 1957, on view through January 1st. This immersive exhibition spotlights an experimental school and its extraordinary impact on contemporary art with works by 90 artists including Annie and Joseph Albers, Buckminster Fuller, Jacob and Gwendolyn Knight Lawrence, Robert Rauschenberg, and Cy Twombly, plus a schedule of in-gallery performances. For more information, go to wexarts.org. The Hirshhorn Museum and Sculpture Garden in Washington, D.C. presents the first major U.S. survey of Ragnar Kartensen, hailed by the New York Times as, quote, one of the most celebrated performance artists anywhere. Spellbinding, poignant, and humorous, this unprecedented solo exhibition brings together live endurance theater, immersive video, music, photography, and painting, 
to introduce U.S. audiences to one of today's most exciting and evolving artists. Now on view at the Hirshhorn, visit hirshhorn.si.edu for more. The Nasher Sculpture Center presents Run for President by artist Catherine Andrews, open through January 8th. The Dallas Morning News calls the show presciently timed and eerily paralleling the circus-esque plotline of the 2016 presidential election. Experience how film props, iconic imagery, and polished steel sculptures create a visual connection between electoral politics, media, and mass spectacle. More information at nashersculpturecenter.org. The Nasher Museum of Art at Duke University presents Southern Accent, Seeking the American South in Contemporary Art, an exhibition that questions and explores the complex and contested space of the American South. This unprecedented exhibition takes on Southern identity as an open-ended question and reframes the way we look at the South in contemporary art. Southern accent encompasses a broad spectrum of media and approaches from both within and outside the region, demonstrating that Southernness is more of a shared sensibility than a consistent culture. Southern accent includes work by 60 artists focusing on contemporary work from the past 30 years. It includes earlier work dating back to the 1950s as important foundational and historical markers. Opening September 1st at the Nasher Museum of Art at Duke University in Durham, North Carolina. Visit nasher.duke.edu. And now back to my conversation with Eduardo Bisualdo. You, you've made a lot of work in just the last few years about control and, and how bodies are controlled by architecture. One of the cleverest, one of the funniest is a work called Incisive. It's a work that plays with the idea of the white cube gallery, mm -hmm. the ubiquitous everywhere in the art world, you can't avoid it, white cube gallery, and, and with a cage, with the idea of a cage. Could you describe what you, what you did to make Incisive with, with, with the layer of of paper and, and then what you imprinted upon it. Yeah, this was a, I did a, it was a double process work. I, I, I like to say it was how to tem, tem, template, exist in English, the, the word yep. template, a room, because it's how to, to make it softer and at the same time to did it rigid again. So I, I did a paper, huge paper all around. It was exactly the opposite of this. It is the opposite of Yes, that. because I, I did, I covered the whole room with a paper and I did a frottage fences on it. So it looks like a jail, but like a, a soft one. Like a grid, yeah. Yes, and, and during the opening and a couple of times we did an, a kind of performance and a guy go into the paper, so between walls and, and paper, only to, to touch the paper. The whole idea was how to sensibilize the, the, the space, how people could feel the whole room where, where them. You know, it's like, how, how could you occupy the whole space? And I was working also about the idea of filled space, like completely filled with nothing. So you, you were, your body was expanded there. And that, that's the other point that I, I am very interested about is like the, that I say this, uh, to touch. I think when you relate to touching, you are, you are 
calling bodies, you know? It's like you are saying your body is, your present is important. I think there is a question in my work that is repeating all the time. It's like, are you here? Are you here? Are you here? It's uh, like to be conscious where you are. You know, one, it's, a, it's a really beautiful piece. It's a very seductive piece, but it's also a work that has embedded within it a really pointed, acute architectural critique that the white cube is maybe almost so ubiquitous it's become confining, uh -huh. that it's become a place of, not a place that enables creativity or, or, or things to be exhibited in an attractive way, but that it's become oppressive. Are you comfortable with the, or, or do you like the idea? Did you, did you want it to be an architectural critique? Are you okay with that reading, or was that totally beyond? I mean, I, I, I don't like the idea about a critique, because sometimes it's, it's more like to think again. I mean, we, we, we think white, white wall is an empty space, and it's not. It's a convention, you know? It's like, it's to think again why we, we need white wall to think, to put something. And we are, we are all, the starting point is already a lot, you know? I, I know you, you can't put something floating in the space, of course, but, but why, why is it in this way? You, you actually kind of made a piece about that called Indivisible, and it's uh, a wall, a, or a three-part, three of the four walls of a space with kind of a skin, I don't know what the material was, but up against the wall, and people could walk between, people were encouraged to walk, uh -huh. between this skin and the wall. What about that hard boundary on one side and the more softer, permeable light could go through it? Yes. Boundary no, I, on the I, other side was of interest. I actually, I, it, 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 it's, it's not like you say, it's, ah. it, this is, has only one four meters wall and the plastic, so you, you start opening a layer, like a skin from, from the wall, but suddenly you are in, in the space. Oh, you, you can't are, go all the way around? No, you, uh. you have to go in and go out. Ah. It's, it's like a birth, you know, it's like a, you... you you came from the wall. But I think maybe a good answer about that is because it's, it's easy to explain it from this work. What yeah, I am thing. very interested by is the idea to be into your body, between your mind and your skin, to create a space where you could, could move even into your body. You know, it's in mm. this case, I think, in the end of ending is clear. You have a, the massive black thing could be your, your mind, and the, the white cube is your school. And space creates. It's how to, how to find new spaces inside you. And about the, the show that you, you say, it's more to how to disappear from, from a gallery. I really like the idea to be hidden in a gallery. And, and maybe from, at the beginning I was, I used darkness to make body limits flexible. You know, I, I start working with dark rooms where people go in and shadows happens. 
And today I'm, I am trying to, to reach the same uh, idea to, um, to lost your body limits, but with, in a total light place. So it's like, how, a, how could you get lost in a gallery? I, that, that's, a, that's a really important point in my work, is how, how an exhibition could be ri risky for you. You, you. you made a piece in 2010 called Reason or Force. I'm using English titles for all your work. I hope that's okay. A piece uh, in 2010 called Reason or Force that's out of the same material, out of the black uh -huh. foil material. It's a piece that included a light and this black foil material came down over the light. Is that part of what you're talking about, about starting where people enter a piece, a place in the dark and yes. then have to adjust to it and then adjust to the, the, the light becoming available? In that moment, I, I was more focused in natural phenomena. For me, it was how to, to deal with these two different poles, like light and darkness, and how how light is the central tool in, in, in art, in visual world, you know? It's like, because the, the, the whole space appears when the belt go up. Yeah, the, the, and, the, the, the black foil yes, object but what, what was would rise crazy, up and then come back down. Yeah. What happened was the, the space disappear and suddenly appear again. It was like to understand where you are, and at the same time, you, I think it's, it's all about the expansion and contraction of your knowledge about where you are, you know? It's like a, no light means no limits. And when light appeared, things became in order. We are recording this four or five days before the American presidential election. You made a piece called Will, W-I-L-L, -L, Will, that features a sliding metal gate that goes across more or less the entirety of a gallery space. And it's a work that recalls a border and transit from one side to the other. And, 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 and the gate actually moves across the gallery and people can go from one side to the uh -huh. other. Is that a piece that for you, is it all about borders and boundaries or is it just that when I think of that piece and see it now in the context of a presidential candidate building a wall on a border that I think of yes, it that I, way. Yes, I, I, I did it. <laughs> I did it especially for an exhibition in Paris. Like I think last year, right? Last was this year. It was this year. Yes, and I, I, I think it was how to show this medieval capitalism where we are living on it, and it's like how fail is try to order things in the material way because when you it was a very absurd object was closing here and opening here so it's never it's, it's one, only one thing you can't you can't close spaces for a lot of time you know it's like and that's that's where when i thought about this what is what is your the what is the the truly the what do you want? What do you really want when you you use a fence? Uh, because a fence today for me is like it's a fake strategy. Because what what is dealing the world today is politics. There, I mean, there are contracts everywhere, and a fence is not 
it's only to, to show you, you want to close it. But uh, at the same time, it's happening in, a, in another way. So it's more like to show um, hypocrisy and, and to show how um, absurd are our, our tools today. Was it a piece when you made it that you were thinking of either the refugee crisis in Europe or the border issue in the United States? Was that part of, was contemporary politics part of the thought process behind that piece? Yes, I mean, it's, it's they, they, a face. It's only a fake mask because it's to show something aggressive. At the same time, it's permeable. You know, it's like in that moment in Argentina happens that the, there were three people in prison that were really the, the most, they were looking for them for one year and a half, and they disappeared in, in two days, and they didn't break any fence, you know? It's like a fence, material limits are not the real limits. I think it's, a, it's, it's more like the illusion of control. Is this idea, this question of permeality, of permeability and the illusion of control all related to the piece that you showed in Venice in the Arsenale? I think it was titled Shout. Could you describe that piece? Yes. And is, the, it, is it in this same field we're talking about? The Shout, it, they, it was uh, like five tubes, five metal beams with a drawing on it. And the process, it was to take a paper to sm smash it and to do a line, like a frottage. I use a lot of the frottage, using the bean as a line. And later, when you expand the paper again, the line appear, break it. You know, like, so for, for me, it was more to show how a metal bean could be break it in another dimension. I mean, paper, pencil and paper, are the, the elements to write, you know, to make fiction, to, to think about different points of view of the world. And being, metal being is the most uh, strong and clear and concrete thing. So, so for me it was to show together two ways to deal with uh, borders. And what, what was crazy was like in paper, you, when you expand it again, you can see spaces that were hidden before. Mm. So appear, and it became, it's a, it's a very topological exercise. It's like how a new dimension could appear from, I mean, there is a phrase that said, every, di every dimension has the elements to access to the next one, you know? So you have a sheet of paper, you have two, di two dimensions, and you could, could make the third one only smashing it. It's a, it's a piece that's very illusionistic. It's not, you know, quite Trump Loe, but it sort of is. Are you interested in that illusionism, in that kind of moment of sort of tricking the viewer? Yes, I, I, I am interested about point of view. I think, I, I don't like illusionism when, when it tries to lie you, to say, okay, this is uh, concrete. I, 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 I always, I am looking for the audience, when the, the audience involved create 
not create with me, but accept the conditions. I mean, it's, it's, it's when, if you stay here, you can see another thing. Of course, if you see from here, you can see how it's, it was done. It's not a, like, um, it's not magic. It's only to show different points of view about things. A lot of your work takes advantage of the difference between what the mind knows about something and what the body feels about something and, and, and the tension that's between mm -hmm. those things. The, the, the piece with... The, the stone? Uh, yeah, the head yeah. of Goliath is like that. Could you describe the piece, I don't know its title, I'm not sure if it has a title, that you made at Randall's Island in New York during the Freeze Art Fair with the sort of soccer field? <laughs> ah, yes. <laughs> Could you describe that? It was called Dream Field. It was about, I, maybe it's my most funny piece. It's a very funny I, piece. <laughs> I, today I, I don't really like it. because. Really? Yes, because at, at the end, it finally it was it was like a joke, because it it was a like a football field mm -hmm. with glasses uh, blocking the the goals. So the idea was, what what should you do when you can win? What what is the the game if you can do if you can reach the end? You know, so it's like a to be in the middle. To be in the middle is, is one of my obsessions. I am, I am trying to do it in everything. And, and when you were talking about mind and body, I, I remember there is another work that is a, a jail, it's a cage. Yeah, yeah. With the bars enough separate to go through. So you could have the fantasy to be just in the, in the limit. And, and you encourage people who are encountering the work to, to do that. Uh -huh. It's not just theoretical. They can, they can walk yes, through it. Yes, yes, you can do it. But the point is, like, in your first view, you, you think it's normal jail. And it's yeah, only when your body goes through, you realize it's possible. Even if you are just beside it, you, you can't understand and that's, that is interesting, it's very paradoxical about, about the fences. Because fences are done to avoid school go through. You know, it's exactly, it's like almost 11 centimeters. That is a um, three years old boy school. So at the end, it's, it's like, I, I like the, the idea that sometimes things are trying to stop bodies, like school, and another times they are trying to confuse mind. But it's always is here. All, all the world is happening here. And it's your physical or your psychical way. I think, for example, today is, is so crazy how the most contemporary or modern weapon is uh, media. And it's trying to make you confused about what, what you think. It's like, a, so I, I, I really think our head is, is where the battle is all the time. I mean, it seems to me, though, the dream field succeeds in that, I guess, in two ways. One, you've used glass in other works and referenced its apparent and actual permeability, you can see through it, and, and also emphasize in those same works 
how glass is a barrier. Mm -hmm. So why don't you like Dreamfield anymore? <laughs> because it was, it was like, at, at the end it looks like, like a joke, you know, it was so, so close to a very ordinary scene. I think I have a, I have a better version in my mind. I, I, pre, I really prefer to do it only with, with doors. You know, football is part of the sports that they are called, they came from a lot of years ago, and they are uh, doors games. And I think doors will be, uh, should be better, like this with glass. And that's, that's another point that I, I used to, to put glass and fences in yeah. different ways. I have another work in glass, it's called uh, Passage, and it's a bird uh, stamp. Uh, As if a bird had, had collided with the glass. Yes, but it's a, it's a, I, I did it with a real bird, like doing the, the stamp, you said. And so at the beginning, you, you can't see anything on the glass because the paint is tra transparent and you are able only to see the shadow on, on the wall. Yeah. And what I, what I like about glass is like, it's a material that you can't see and, and it, could, uh, it can stop you, you know? So it's like a, that con contradiction about your mind could go through, but not your body. And in that case, I, I really like the idea that the, the bird was trying to go through in a physical way, and at the end, I use it in more, more in a spiritual way because they used to to die when they yeah. they do that, and so it's it's a it's a passage, but in another direction. You know? the, the the piece with a door that you mentioned is called Daybreak. It's made out of wood and metal, and it has a section kind of at eye level where you would look through a peephole on an apartment door, for example that's been kind of gouged out of, out of the center. As you mentioned, it's another example of an architectural space that involves the possibility of permeability. What, what is it about doors that's interesting to you? Why are, what, what if, if you made one in wood, you just mentioned maybe making one in glass, what about doors is particular? A door is, is the transition point. You, are, you know, it's a, and also it's in a, in a very mythological way, is a mythological way, is under the umbral, mm -hmm. you know, is where things, uh, where magic things could happen. It's like just, it's another limit between two spaces. In that case, I, I try, I, in that moment I, I was doing exercises about borders. It was the same series of, uh, also showed the papers, and I was trying to, to show how limits could be, are not material, are, it's about time. It's the, that door shows you, shows you how, many, how much time you need to go through with your finger, for example. The idea was to show a door over you were passing your hand for many years until it uh, disappear. So th that, that was the, the main idea. Eduardo Abiswaldo, thanks so much. Thank you. That's all for this week's show. 
The Modern Art Notes podcast is edited by Wilson Butterworth. Special thanks to Steve Roden, who created the sound for the program. The Modern Art Notes podcast is released under a Creative Commons license. Please visit Modern Art Notes for more information. Thanks for listening.